okay? Uh, let's pray over this message, and uh, we'll begin. Father, we thank you for another opportunity to share the Word of God. As we, as we dig in and, and see how your heart operates, Father, how your kingdom operates, Lord, I thank you that your anointing is on me to teach, that you anointed my lips to speak, that I can speak what's on your heart with accuracy and boldness. And Lord, we just thank you that every ear is anointed to hear and every heart anointed to receive that precious seed of the Word of God. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, the title for the message tonight is A Day in the Life of Jesus. And the reason I chose that is because the real title should be Mark 4. Um, but since Pastor David already taught on Mark 4 on Sunday, I had to think of something else. Um, so I'm not going to repeat everything he said. I am going to review some things because uh, faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. And, and you can't overdose on the Word of God. You can't overdose on Mark 4. Mark 4 is, is one, of, one of my foundations. It's something that, that got me going in ministry, and uh, I never tire of it. I love to hear other people teach on Mark 4. I don't, I don't turn them off and say, well, I've already heard that. I've, I can teach that myself. I'm still learning, and, and it's been uh, 30 years since we we've, we've start, first started learning and, and hearing and teaching about Mark 4. But it's important uh, scripture because it highlights some of the key principles of the kingdom of God. And uh, in fact, G- there's a part in here where Jesus says, if you don't get this, what I'm teaching here, you're not going to get anything else from the from the from this teaching or from the, the word of God. But there's still a lot of confusion, even among uh, some Christians. Um, who are more connected with their past traditions and the way they, what they think they know about what the Bible says. Um, and they don't really, are, are not really tuned into what Jesus actually taught. And there, there are some people whose attitude is, well, Jesus taught love and acceptance. And that sounds really good, but that's not what Jesus taught. Now, Jesus is love. And he accepts us, but he doesn't want us to stay the way he finds us. Um, when people say those kinds of things, it's usually, uh, you need to accept my ungodly lifestyle because you are wrong. There's something wrong with you if you don't, if you don't embrace these, these filthy things that I do. So that, that needs to be changed in some people's hearts. And it is about the heart. Um, but Jesus didn't teach that uh, love and acceptance. He taught about the kingdom of God. And he taught it so much that his disciples thought, it's coming any day. I mean, the, we're, we're getting in the kingdom of God. In fact, the mother of two of the, of the disciples, James and John, came to Jesus and was lobbying for a position for her boys to be next to Jesus in the kingdom. And uh, Jesus said, you, you don't really know what you're asking, do you? And uh, But anyway, that's what he taught, was the kingdom. And the other thing he taught was repentance. 
Repentance is not the same thing as acceptance. Um, he would tell people they needed to change. The woman caught in adultery. He said, well, I'm not condemning you, but don't do this anymore. And I always thought it's interesting that the woman was caught in adultery. Doesn't it take two people to commit adultery? You know, I always thought it did. I thought maybe the guy should be up there too in, in line to be stoned, but he didn't have the same, uh, same things going for him that she did. So right now though, we want to look at some of the things that Jesus said about the kingdom as well as some other things that are keys to living by faith. And uh, so let's go to Mark 4. And uh, again, I don't want to repeat everything that, that Pastor David said, but I, I do want to review some things and point out some, some things. Uh, I won't spend a long time on it. But in Mark 4, starting with the first verse, it says, Again, he began to teach by the sea, and a great multitude was gathered to him, so that he got into a boat and sat in it on the sea, and the whole multitude was on the land facing the sea. I always, when I'm reading the Bible, I try to put myself there. And, and so am I, am I in the boat with Jesus? Well, not this time. I'm on, on the land with, with these other people. And as Pastor David pointed out, once you, when you're on the water, your, your voice carries better. Uh, we have some friends on a, on a lake, Lake Okanagan up in Canada. And, uh, at night you can hear the people out on the boats miles away and, and you can hear them because their, their voices just carry along the water there. But, uh, it says verse two, he taught them many things by parables and said to them in his teaching, listen, listen. That's the first thing he said. Listen. Or as I used to say when I was coaching, listen up. Okay? Listen. Behold. So he says, listen and look at this. I mean, he's, he's getting your attention. He says, a sower went out to sow. And it happened as he sowed that some seed fell by the wayside. It sounds like it wasn't an intentional planting, but that's where it went. It fell by the wayside, and the birds of the air came and devoured it. Some fell on stony ground, where it did not have much earth, and immediately it sprang up because it had no depth of earth. But when the sun was up, it was scorched, and because it had no root, it withered away. And some seed fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it, and it yielded no crop. But other seed fell on good ground. Say, I'm good ground. I'm good ground. Because that's, it's talking about, we'll find out later, it's talking about the heart. The ground that he's talking about is the heart. I'm getting ahead of myself here. And he said to them, oh, it fell on good ground, yielded a crop that sprang up, increased, and produced some thirtyfold, some sixty, and some a hundred. And he said to them, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. And for, for years, when I would read that or hear that, I'd think that's kind of an odd thing to say. Because if I look around on, on most of the people in here, I can see your ears. Uh, 
he's not talking about these things stuck on the side of your head. He's talking about how you are receiving what the, the message that is being transmitted from him to you. So he has ears to hear. Just because you, you heard the sound doesn't mean you caught the, the understanding of what was being uh, transmitted. So, in, in verse 10, and Pastor David pointed this out Sunday also, he says, when he was alone, those around him with the twelve asked him about the parables. Now, we've been watching the, uh, the series The Chosen. I don't know how many of you have seen any of The Chosen. Uh, it's, it's very interesting. It's, it's not at all the way I had pictured in my mind the way things are. And it probably isn't exactly the way things are. I mean, we'll, we'll never know till we can get there and, and talk with some of these people. But it's, it puts the disciples and it puts Jesus himself in a different light than, than I had ever thought of. Because most of the time we think of the disciples as these holy men that, that walked around. Yeah, they made a mistake once in a while, especially Peter. But this really shows them these, these are guys with issues. Uh, I really like Matthew. Matthew is, is, uh, a little weird, you know. Um, he's he's a tax collector. Nobody likes him for good reason. But I, I, okay, that's that's the commercial for for the chosen. I I recommend it. It's it's a interesting thing. And there's a disclaimer at the very first in the very first uh, episode about how some of these events are are kind of pushed together and and but but the events themselves that take place are actual Bible events that did happen. Um, so anyway, down to verse 13, he said to them, do you not understand this parable? How then will you understand all parables? In other words, if you don't understand this one, you're not going to get anything out of this. And he's saying that the kingdom of God is operating by the same principles that we see in this parable. And not only that, the whole earth, the whole creation, and, and everything that happens now operates on the same principles. Am I yelling? I, I get excited. So I'm okay. <laughs> um, but God made the earth to function the same way it always has functioned. Right? It starts in Genesis that He, he made everything producing after its own kind. Every seed produces the same kind of, of uh, product that, that it started. In fact, in, in Genesis 22, or excuse me, Genesis 8, verse 22, he said, while the earth remains, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, winter and summer, and day and night shall not cease. I have good news for you. I walked in from the parking lot and I checked the earth is still here. So we're okay right now, but that also means, uh, and, and actually in Florida right now, we're experiencing a little part of that cold part. Um, not like they're experiencing up north, but that's why we live in Florida. Anyway, uh, those things are, are not changing as long as the earth remains. It's the same principle. And, and so 
the, the disciples ask him to explain, and Jesus takes the time to explain what he meant by what he said in this parable. And the good news for us is he will still explain when there's things we don't understand. If we'll take the time to go to him and listen, because most of the time we go to him in prayer, we've got this list of things we need, Lord, do it quick, and and we don't take time to hear, to receive what he has to say. So he will let us know if we will be patient and and get those ears to hear what the Spirit wants to say to us. So he, he explains to the disciples, and the first thing he says in verse 14, the sower sows the word. The word is the seed he's talking about here. The word of God is seed, and your words and my words are seeds. I'm planting some seeds right now. Some might be... uh being planted in good soil, some might be a little questionable, but it's up to our hearts to be the receptacle of the uh, of the seed that's planted. Um, and then he goes on to talk about the different kinds of seed. And Pastor David uh, outlined that well Sunday. Um, he talks about the ones by the the wayside. Um, uh, verse fifteen: These are the ones by the wayside. This is the first kind where the word was sown. When they hear, Satan comes immediately and takes away the word that was sown in their hearts. That's that's the number one way. I'm talking in Hungarian now. This is number one in Hungarian. That's the number one way that that Satan comes. Is he he doesn't want that seed to take root because if that seed gets a chance to put down roots and put out branches and bear fruit, he is sunk. But it's when it's little. It's when it's it's still questionable. It's still I've got these questions uh, that you know if I plant uh, plant a little tiny tree outside, I can go out the next day and rip it out with one hand. But if I give that tree some time and protect it, you know where we live, we've got deer that like to eat everything that's planted. So we have to protect anything we we don't want the deer to get. So we protect it. Put a fence around it if we have to. Water it. Make sure it gets sunshine. Make sure it's in the right place. Give it five years, ten years, twenty years. Now, I'm not going to do anything with that tree with one hand. I'm going to need some machinery to get it, get anything done with that tree. So, um, it's, it's important we take care of the seed. It's just not automatic, but that's when Satan comes to try and get it out before it can do his kingdom any damage. But uh, the other thing to remember is is where is that seed sown? It's in your heart. That's the only place it can produce. It's it's uh, God's word will never produce until it gets in your heart. Now, fine, start by getting it in your head. It's good to memorize scripture. It's good to to have those things, but at some point it needs to filter down and get in your heart, be part of who you are. That's when it's effective. That's when it's going to uh, bring some fruit. And then verse 16, he talks about the stony ground. He says, when they hear the word, immediately they see, they receive it with gladness. Um, 
Let's see, where do I want to go here? I, let me just say that all four of the soils got the same perfect seed. The seed was, the seed of the Word of God is perfect. There's, if there's a problem in your crop, it's not the seed's fault. It's, it's something to do with the soil and how you're taking care of, of how that seed was planted. Uh, Charles Capps used to say that, that the soil has dominion over the seed. And I believe that's, I believe that's true. Now, the other thing to remember here is Jesus was a good teacher. I spent over 20 years teaching. And, and as you teach, you need, you learn to look at the faces of the people. And you can tell, even if they're trying to look attentive, you can tell whether they're really getting it or not. It's the same in church. You know, just because they're shaking their head and saying, yes, amen, it, it does not mean they necessarily got what you're trying to put across to them. So Jesus is doing that. He's, he's looking around and he says, uh, they didn't get it. You know, I heard somebody say that Jesus is kind of the, what I see in the chosen, uh, episodes too, that Jesus' eyeballs must have ached at the end of the day for rolling his eyes so much because of the, what the disciples are doing. Uh, that may be. And the other thing about the chosen, I guess I'm not done talking about it, is that it makes Jesus look like somebody I would really like to be around. I'd like to, I'd like to be close to this guy. Anyway. Um, but he was a good teacher, and so he he gives him another example. Verse twenty-one: uh, A lamp is a lamp brought to be put under a basket or under a uh, under a bed. Is it not to be set on a lampstand? Nothing is hidden that will not be revealed, nor has anything been kept secret that should come to light. He says it again: If anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. Okay. In other words, some of you didn't get it yet. And then he said to them, verse 24, take heed what you hear. In other places it says take heed how you hear. But here he's saying take heed what you hear. With the same measure you use, it will be measured to you. And you who hear, more will be given. It's so important that we guard what we allow ourselves to receive through our ears and through our eyes, and we have control over that. Now, it may not seem like it, because if you turn on your television, they are bombarding you with the message that the world wants you to have and the things the world wants you to buy. And they're good at at repeating it over and over and over. Faith comes by hearing, whether you're hearing bad things or good things. So you need to be careful. Be uh, Take heed what you hear. And it says in verse 25, for whoever has, to him more will be, be given. But whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken away from him. This is another kingdom principle. And, and you can see it in, in the, uh, in the parable of the talents, of the, the one who got five, the one who got two, and the one who got one how they they invested and, and got a return on, on the talents, that the one who only only hid his master's talents 
had what he did have taken away, given to the one that had more than anybody else. That's hard for a lot of people to understand. But that's the way the kingdom of God operates. So, he's looking at them and he, he still sees that they don't quite have it. Um, verse 30, he says, uh, to what shall we liken the kingdom of God? He's been talking about the kingdom of God and they still don't get it. Or what or with what parable shall we picture it? And he's thinking, what is another example I can use? And then he said in verse 31, it's like a mustard seed, which when it is sown in the ground is smaller than all the seeds of the earth. But when it is sown, it grows up and becomes greater than all the herbs and shoots out large branches so that the birds of the air may nest under its shade. Now, don't get caught up in thinking about how tiny that mustard seed is. Here's the real point. What may seem small and insignificant to you has the ability to take over your life. Whether it's a good thing or a bad thing. Maybe you feel like, well, I don't really have time to spend time in the Word. You better have a little time to spend in the Word. You need to plant at least a little seed in the Word. Well, five minutes isn't much. Five minutes is a lot. The Bible talks about being faithful in small things in order to be, uh, to be trusted with bigger things. And, and so if you'll start, get that seed in the ground, get that seed in your heart so that it can start to produce for your life. Because it, it'll never happen if it never gets in. Uh, and that mustard seed is, is just an example of how something so tiny in your garden, garden of your life, can, can grow up and, and dominate and take over everything, whether you wanted it to or not. And a lot of times people wake up one day and realize, I'm in a mess. And they don't realize it's because of the seeds they planted that were bad seeds that they've they dwelt on, they've, they've let in their ears and eyes, and uh, it, it's just is controlling their life now. So, uh, planting God's Word might seem insignificant, insignificant to the problems you're facing, but uh, if you plant the right seed, it can take over, it will produce, it will bring change. But seeds don't work overnight. Most of the time, I've never planted a seed. I remember when I was a little kid, I'd go out and we'd plant a seed, and I'd, I'd so anxious to see it grow up, and it's, you know, it doesn't pop out of the ground overnight. It takes time. It takes time for those seeds in our life that we plant, good seeds or bad, bad seeds. And that's why a lot of times um, people who have planted these, these bad seeds in their youth or in, in their early adult years, all of a sudden, they're bearing fruit now, and they don't know where it's coming from. So that's a good time to pray for some crop failure for, for those seeds and get the right seeds planted. <clears throat> you know, think about a seed. Um, in a seed, everything is contained for it to accomplish everything it was designed to do. I've got a few seeds here. I'm not going to pass them around, but I don't know if you can even see them. I've got some... Apple seeds here. Uh, no, I'm sure you can't see them, but I can see them real good. Um, these are small apple seeds from a very delicious apple. I've got one seed here that's an 
uh, I think it's a lemon seed that that is there. That but listen, inside each one of those seeds is a miracle. Now we don't think of it as a miracle because we see this every day. We see this all the time. We've been living with seeds being planted and seeds producing crops, especially if you've been on a farm at all. It's 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 no big deal. But it is a big deal because everything that is needed for this to become a lemon is already in that seed. It's pre-programmed. Everything that was, that is in the Word of God as a seed, and I'm dropping seeds all over, um, is pre-programmed. It's, it's already in the seed to produce what it was designed to produce. I mean, you can't look at an apple seed with your natural eye and see uh, an apple tree, but you can by faith. Like I said, we don't even think of it as by faith because we've seen it so much. But I I often wonder, uh, I say, I wonder where the great-great-great-grandpa of that tree came from, of that apple came from. Because each one of those seeds has the, the potential grow another tree with more apples, with more seeds, with more apples, with more seeds. And it's just, it's amazing to me. So um, I, I think it's one of the greatest miracles that, that's right before our eyes. And the only thing any seed needs to do to produce is find the right conditions. Not just the right soil, but the right, because sometimes uh, I'll hold up, like I'll hold up an orange seed in Romania in the winter. And I'll say, what would happen if we planted this out here uh, outside? And they say, oh, we get an orange tree. I say, well, how many other orange trees are growing out here in Romania? Well, none. Good apple country, but oranges don't grow. Oranges grow here in Florida where we've got the, the climate for it. So it, it's the soil and what what feeds the soil, what helps the soil is the climate, the atmosphere around it. Um, but it has to find the right production. If, if if the seed just stays on your shelf, whether it's a natural seed or the seed of the Word of God, it's not going to produce anything until it gets in your heart. Um, and the other thing is what we sow determines what our life produces. What we sow determines what our life produces. If you don't like the harvest you've been getting, you need to examine what you've been planting in your life. Because our life today is a result of seeds that we planted in the past. And if we don't like that, we need to start changing our planting patterns and get the right seed in our heart and, and go from there. Uh, if you put the Word of God in it, it will automatically, automatically grow up and produce. Seeds are automatic. The seed is perfect. The seed does what it's supposed to do if we do what we're supposed to do. But the Bible says whatever a man sows, that's what he reaps. But you'll never produce anything if you don't sow anything. So we talked about the wayside or the path, that first soil. The first soil, many times, now there's a lot more to it than this, but one of the things that makes, it, it's a hard heart. 
is what it's talking about. And one of the things that makes a hard heart is, I've heard that before. That's why I, I, with Mark 4, it would be very easy for a lot of people to say, oh, Pastor Dan is teaching part Mark 4 again. Well, yeah, and it won't be the last time. But that, that I get excited every time I hear someone else teach it. Uh, I don't say I already know that. I, I already heard that. Um, but that's what people do. And it's not just with the Word of God, with other things, with other things in life. Well, I, I already know what they're going to say. Well, then you're, you've got a hard heart. But you sow the seed in your heart. And one of the most deadly mistakes a Christian can make is to think that because they know something, they're doing it. Because they know, oh yeah, I know that's in the Word of God. Okay, but the Bible says you're deceiving yourself if you're, if you're just a hearer and not a doer. So, um, we deceive ourselves when we think we've got it all figured out, when the reality is we're not following the principles that the Bible puts, puts out for us. We're not really doing what the Word of God says. So uh, that's a little bit about the hard heart, the, the stony ground. Uh, it says the stony ground, they received it with gladness. They were happy to get it, but there was no depth to it. They, they had no depth. They were kind of fair-weather Christians. And, and when everything's fine as long as things are going my way, but as soon as I get a little persecution, uh, I'm out of here. I'm, I'm not going to be part of this anymore. And then the third soil, Pastor David talked about this, uh, so I won't spend time on it. The cares of the world. It's, it's weeds, basically. It's, it's, and how do weeds get in your garden? You don't do anything. Weeds will get there. You have to work against the weeds to keep them out. So, uh, you need to give the seed an opportunity to grow. It takes patience. Uh, don't pull the seed out of the ground before it's ready. And a lot of times you have to lay aside natural wisdom for the Word of God to produce in your life. Because sometimes things just don't make sense the way that, uh, the way that you think they should. But listen, what, one of the keys to living by faith is what you do when you don't understand. Because there will be times in life, and you've probably already had times in your life, when when you hit something that you just, I don't understand this. And and there are things in the Word of God. Maybe you don't understand. Ask God for understanding. Eventually it will come. And like Pastor Keith Moore uh, was teaching one time, and he said, I think for the first hundred years or so when we get to heaven, we'll be going, oh, that's what that meant. Oh, I see now. Oh, 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 oh. You know, and it, because we're, we're seeing things that we didn't fully understand. But can we still be committed to the Word? Can we still be faithful to Him and to His Word? Okay, so back to Mark 4. Down in verse 34, or 35, on the same day when evening had come, He said to them, let us cross over to the other side. Now they've been hearing parable after parable, how the kingdom of God works. They've been, I mean, to be there at the feet of Jesus. Can you imagine the faith that you would have to have been there with them? They get in the boat. He says, let's cross over to the other side. Verse 36, now when they had left the multitude, they took him along in the boat, 
as he was, and other little boats also with him. And a great windstorm arose. Now remember, these are fishermen. At least most of these guys have spent some time on that lake. That's where they, their livelihood came from. They had been in storms on that lake, and this was no ordinary storm. Um, it says, uh, a great windstorm arise. The waves beat into the boat so that it was already filling, but he was in the stern. That's the back part. That's Navy talk there. He was in the stern asleep on a pillow. Think of that. The, the boat is going crazy. It's filling with water. He's having a snooze back there in the back of the boat. And uh, then they, they, they awoke him and said to him, now, be careful, because in King James, in King James it says, Master, carest thou not that we perish? No. no. They, well, I better not do it in here, but they, yeah, they were screaming. They were, Jesus, don't you care? We're all going to die here. And, uh, you know, think about it. What they've been through all this last day and the years up to, however long they've been before this, and now they're in a boat in some trouble and they're panicking. They are fearing for their lives. So Jesus woke up. He, verse 39 says, He arose and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, He spoke to the wind and the sea, Peace be still. And the wind ceased and there was a great calm. Went from a great storm to a great calm. I often wondered, it says there were other little boats. I wonder what those guys were doing in those other little boats out there, just be rocking and rolling out in the, out in the waves. Um, but he said to them, why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? I mean, he's, he's thinking by now, after what you've heard, you should have enough to know how to get through this. In other words, he was expecting that they should be able to do something, even if it's to get across with a boat full of water, to get to the other side. Like he said, the words of his mouth, that's one of the other keys of, of faith that we're talking about, the words of our mouth, he said, we're going to the other side. And that's what they were supposed to do. Um, and it said, verse 41, they feared exceedingly and said to one another, who can this be? Well, I think they soon found out who this is. Even the wind and sea obey him. The word has the potential to change your entire reality. And if you plant the word in your heart, it will produce. Whatever you need, there is a seed in the word that will take care of it. Get the right seed, plant it. Stay with it. Don't give up on it. It'll grow. It's God's Word. Jesus said, my words will not pass away. Heaven and earth might pass away, but my words will not pass away. So we need to remember that. God's Word will produce in your heart, but it has to be planted. Now, a day in the life of Jesus, it did not end there. He's still in the boat. He gets to the other side. Look what happens. We go into Mark 5. You know, these, these weren't written in chapter and verse. It was, it was all one thing. 
And now we're in chapter 5, which is a continuation of what was going on in chapter 4. And it says, they came to the other side of the sea, to the country of the Gadarenes. And, and I'll, I'll paraphrase this for the sake of, for the sake of time, but there's a guy there living in the tombs who's, who's demon possessed. And he's, he's cutting himself. He, they've tried to chain him. He breaks the chain. They cannot control this man. He is totally demon possessed. And it says, uh, when he saw Jesus, verse six, when he saw Jesus from afar, he ran and worshiped him. There, there was enough recognition still in this man that he knew, I need to worship this man. I need to worship Jesus. Um, and he said with a loud voice, verse 7, What have I to do with you, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? He knew who he was. Now, I, whether this is the demon talking or the man talking, I, I don't know. You can find both arguments on that. But it says, I implore you by God that you do not torment me. Verse 8 says, For he said to him, Come out of the man, unclean spirit. Obviously, he didn't come out the first time he said that. Because he, it, this goes on. And so it goes on, verse 9 says, What's your name? He, he asked, the, the, asked, What is your name? And he said, My name is Legion, for we are many. And it's, it's, uh, it's like, you, I'm too big for you. Well, he wasn't too big for Jesus. And he's not too big for you either. Um, so verse 10, he begged him, don't, don't, don't get rid, don't send me into the far country. Uh, there's, there's some pigs. Send us into those pigs. And Jesus let them go into the swine, into the pigs. And the pigs were smart enough. They didn't want anything to do with those demons. They ran off and drowned themselves in the lake. Because they, they didn't, uh, they didn't care to be demon possessed. They'd rather die than have a demon in them. And so, um, the people who fed the swine, verse 14, they fled. Now, obviously these weren't Jews, because pigs are really unclean to Jews. So they, they, they fled and told everybody in the, in the surrounding area what had been going on. And then, uh, so they, they, the guys got rid of the demons and got down in, uh, where are we? Verse, verse 15. They came to Jesus and saw the one who had been demon possessed and had the legion sitting and clothed. He was not clothed before and he stunk. He, he was not a pleasant character to be around. He was clothed and in his right mind and they were afraid. And those who saw it told them how it happened and who had been demon possessed and about the swine, about the pigs. And they began to plead with him to depart from their region. Well, maybe they they were losing all their livelihood because the pigs were gone. Um, and when he got into the boat, he who had been demon-possessed begged him that he might be with him. Verse 19, however, Jesus did not permit him, but said to him, go home to your friends and tell them what great things the Lord has done for you and how He has had compassion on you. That's important, that we let people know 
the great things that God has done for us and His His compassion on us. And so verse 20, He departed and began to proclaim in Decapolis all that Jesus had done for Him and all marveled. Decapolis is a ten-city area. This man was terrorizing a ten-city area. People were afraid to go near where this man was. And now he's normal. In fact, he's beyond normal. He's telling people about Jesus and how Jesus had set him free. So we're still in that day of Jesus, that the day in the life of Jesus. Verse 21. He crossed over. He's back in. Now think of that. Jesus went across through a terrible storm, almost, you know, were in danger of dying. They weren't, but they thought they were. And comes back, gets over there to the other side, ministers to one man, one demon-possessed man, gets back in the boat and goes back to the other side. It doesn't say here in Mark anywhere that he ministered to anybody else. While he was there. I'm just looking to that and I think, if God would do that for that one man, he would do that for you. He would Amen. do that for me. Amen. That's that's a day in the life of Jesus right there. So, uh, but he gets old. And, and Jesus is, is having a big day here. In, in verse 21, he crossed over. A great, a great multitude was there. He was always around a great multitude. That was until... Uh, John chapter 6, when he told them that they needed to drink his blood and eat his flesh, then they started walking away. Uh, they didn't understand that. Uh, verse 22 says, One of the rulers of the synagogue came, Jairus by name, and when he saw him, he fell at his feet, just like the demon-possessed man did, and begged him earnestly, saying, My little daughter lies at the point of death. Come lay your hands on her that she may be healed and she will live. Those were the words of his mouth. That's what he believed. He was a synagogue ruler, leader. Synagogue leaders and Jesus didn't always get along real well. But this man knew he needed something Jesus had because his little daughter was dying. And so he starts. Jesus is willing to go with this man. But, here's this big day in the life of Jesus. In verse 25, a certain woman with a flow of blood for 12 years had suffered many things from many physicians. She had spent all that she had and was no better but grew worse. Verse 27, when she heard about Jesus. So first of all, she had to have heard something. She had heard some good report. Jesus might be able to help me. And and uh, she came behind him in the crowd and touched his garment. Now, this is important. She was unclean according to Jewish law. She was not supposed to be out there. And here's Jairus, who is a synagogue leader, who has the authority to have her stoned for being there. And so he's there watching this He's he's thinking, well, who knows what he's thinking. His little daughter is dying, and Jesus is taking time to deal with this unclean woman here. And uh, he said in verse 30, Jesus immediately knowing in himself that power had gone out, he said, 
touched my clothes. And the disciples said, well, Jesus, come on, look around. I mean, the, everybody's touched. Everybody was touching Jesus, either on purpose or by accident. But none of them were healed. This woman, who it says down here, uh, she said, uh, if I, verse 28, she said, if only I may touch his clothes, I shall be made well. It doesn't, it's, it's a, the way it, the original language is, she, it's more like she had been saying. She had been building, her words had been building faith in her. And when she was healed, verse 34, uh, after she said everything that she told him everything, he said, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your affliction. He did not say, well, little lady, it's your lucky day because I happen to be coming by here and it's I'm the son of God, so obviously you could be healed. No, he said, it's your faith made you. It wasn't, didn't have anything to do with his faith. Her faith made her well. So, while he's speaking, verse 35, somebody came from the ruler of the synagogue, synagogue's house and says, your daughter's dead. Don't bother the teacher anymore. Now, this is important. As soon as Jesus heard this in verse 36, he said to the ruler of the synagogue, do not be afraid. Only believe. And there it is again. What, what do you do when things don't look like they're going the way they're supposed to? Do you give up? Or do you still rely on the Word? Do you still go with what Jesus said? With what the Word said? It said He came to the, to the house. He, he chased everybody out. He said, oh, she's only sleeping. They laughed Him. They, they were weeping and wailing, and then all of a sudden they're laughing. But they, He had to get rid of the unbelief. The only ones He would allow in the room with Him were, were the ones His, He didn't even bring all of His disciples. He brought Peter, James, and John, and then the parents, because the parents had the authority that he needed to operate in their daughter. He couldn't have done it just because he was Jesus and there. Somebody had to give give him authority to, to do that. And uh, he took the little child, verse 41, took the little child by the hand and said to her, Talitha Kumi, which is translated little girl, I say to you, arise. Immediately, the girl arose and walked, for she was 12 years of age, and they were overcome with great amazement. I guess so, because she was dead. They were overcome with great amazement. But he commanded them strictly that no one should know it, and said that something should be given to her to eat. Isn't it interesting how many times Jesus said, don't tell anybody about this. But, you know, everybody that I can think of went out and told everybody they knew about it. But, you know, if that happened today, if somebody has a healing ministry, it's on TV, it's all, you know, uh, anyway, I won't be judgmental there. Anyway, Jesus had a big day. Now, we sometimes look at things like this and think, yeah, it's just bang, 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 one miracle after another. Uh, then you look at the... Uh, the Apostle Paul, who, who sometimes like 14 years between things that were major events in his life. The point is, Jesus was planting seed 
even with the words he was speaking to, to the demoniac, to the, to the Jairus, to the little girl, uh, to the people around him, to, to the disciples. Those words were still seed that we read about in Mark chapter four. And, and his words had power. Your words have power. That's why we need to be consistent in the things we allow ourselves to speak. We are created in the image of God. And one of the attributes God has that we have is the ability to choose words and speak them. And that's why the Bible says we're, we're going to be accountable for every idle word we speak. So I just want to encourage us to, to think of the seed. I mean, everything is seed. The things we do, the things we, uh, the, the money we give, the, the help we offer others, the, the relationships we have, that's all in some kind of, of seed planting that will produce, as the Bible says, do unto others as you would have others do unto you. That's how seeds work. So I just want to thank you for listening to us tonight. Let's pray and we'll, we'll uh, close for this evening. Father, we thank you for your word. Your word is precious seed. And Father, we take that seed into our heart tonight. Lord, we, we water that seed with more word. And Father, we thank you that it is producing great fruit in our life. And, and Lord, we can take those things and replace bad seeds that have been placed that, uh, that have no place in our life anymore. So we choose to speak life and not death. And we choose to hear the voice of God. We are your sheep. We hear your voice, the voice of another. We will not follow, and we will be doers of your word, not hearers only. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you for joining us, and we'll see you Sunday.